Great, great. I've got a message for you tonight. Okay? Good. Yeah. Turn to Mark chapter 2. It's right after Matthew. And yes, every single time somebody turn, tells me to turn to the Gospels, I have to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke. Oh, there it is. I have to do it every single time. I don't know why. I should know by now. But I don't. I could tell. Everybody was like, oh, man. After John, I just got lost. Thank you. It's a letter to the Romans. Is that the time of... Huh? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Letters of Romans. There you go. Was it Mark or John? Mark. So this is a, the title of this, if you take notes, is called uh, Rip the Roof Off. Okay? I, I know, I'm on fire with the titles lately. <laughs> Last week was Slippery People. This one, this one is Rip the Roof Off. And, um... I, I want to talk about how we put uh, limitations on things and, and how, what lengths we're willing to go to for people, for ourselves, for, for things. Yes? Okay. We put limits on a lot of things, uh, on our capacities of what we think that we can actually achieve in life. Um, we put limits on how, uh, how far in the ocean we think we could swim out and still make it on the way back. Right? We put all these kinds of limits on life. Um, maybe Benji puts limits on how fast he can go on a road without getting in trouble. Accurate? Good. Man, such a rebel. Put limits on how high on a ladder we think is safe before we're like, mm, that's too much. Yeah, we put limits on all sorts of things, right? We put limits on crazy things we do on horses. Yes, all sorts of things. Um, and when I, I used to be really big into mountain biking, you wouldn't know it by now, by the way my physique looks, but I used to be. I used to be sick with the mountain bike. Has anybody done, uh, went mountain biking? Yeah, super fun, right? Me and my buddy, back in high school, we would literally, there was no fear in us, right? We didn't have kids back then. We didn't have mortgages back then. We were like, we've fallen a couple of times and we know our limits, right? We pushed limits. And there was one time my buddy decided there was this huge boulder, like massive, massive boulder. And he, he thought he was like something else. He still thinks he is. And, uh, and I'd say that to his face. Um, and I have. Um, and he went off this boulder. He pulled like a wheelie off of this boulder, went too far, smacked his head on the back of the boulder, and then he learned his limit. Sometimes in life we decide like, okay, how far can I push this? And how far can I push it? And how far can I push and tow this line? And then all of a sudden we're smacking our head and we're like, all right, I'm not going to ever ride a mountain bike again or I'm not ever going to try that again, or I'm not ever going to dabble in that again. Has anybody felt this way? Yes? We all push limits. <clears throat> whether it's the law, whether it's with our friends, if Madison were in the room, she would tell in my marriage <laughs> how far 
how many nights, you know, you, know, you get it. <laughs> what we have to realize, the limits and limitations we put on ourselves are all rooted with some type of fear. Right? If you've ever been on stage doing something, and you're like, okay, I've got this lick that I've been practicing forever. Here I am, and wham, I got fear all of a sudden rushing over me. Maybe not for some of you people, because you're actually talented. But that's me, you know? Like stuff like that. Okay, I've been preparing, I've been preparing, I've been preparing. And then this fear starts to sit in. It's like, oh my gosh, am I going to go belly up? Right? Or your workplace, whatever it might be. Our limits are based on our fears. Everybody resonate with that? Our limits are based on our fears. For example, how far we swim in the ocean away from the shore could be a fear of sharks or getting sucked into the undertow, like has happened to me um, before. Has that happened to you guys before? That's terrifying. Undertow sucks. Some of them are valid. Some of them are things that you definitely should not be dabbling in. <laughs> Other things are like, okay, can I conquer this enough so that I can see what, one, the Lord is capable of, and two, what I'm capable of, Right? The Lord, Lord is capable of a lot. We all know that. That's like 101 theology. The Lord is big. He's greater than all things. Yes, 101. But then there's us, part of this equation. We're like, well, am I? <laughs> am I actually worthy of actually being a part of that big God that he says he is? Right? Am I, or does my fear hold me back? Does my anxiety hold me back and actually capsize me from achieving what he's actually called me into? Right? Obviously, I don't want to just talk about thrill-seeking activities and pushing ourselves to the limits, but I want to talk about what it looks like in almost thrill-seeking in the kingdom of the Lord. What does it look like taking risks in the Lord? What does that look like? Is that scary? Was even our prayer time before this even just a risk and terrifying to some of you? Maybe, and that's okay. We're flexing muscles. It's good. We're dusting cobwebs off, all that kind of stuff. It's good stuff. But man, if, my, if I'm too afraid and the Lord actually wants to use me for that specific time, for that specific person, and my fear holds me back, I've put a limit on how great he actually is. You hearing me? I put a limit on the vastness of who he actually is, right? God's big. He holds the world in the palm of his hand, as we heard in those Sunday school songs, right? He's big, but man, I feel pretty small. I'm limiting my character, and I'm limiting who I actually think that he is. Do you understand that the way my thought process works about who, the, who God Almighty is actually capsizes the power that he can, that he can uh, manifest in in my life? He's not going to kick down doors so that you can go pray over somebody. He's not going to. It's up to us saying yes. Yes? So in Mark chapter 2, I want to talk about this cool story. It's a familiar story. A lot of us, if you've grown up in the church or maybe even haven't grown up in the church, and um, you know this story. It's that story when they pull the roof off of a building so that they can drop their friend in 
into the uh, family room so that they can see Jesus, so that he can be healed, right? Okay, that's the story I want to read tonight, and I want to kind of break it up, all right? I, I don't usually preach this way because um, I don't like to, but I'm going to do it tonight just so I can make a point, okay? I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 to start, and then we'll kind of talk, and then I'll, I'll kind of go like that. So if you're taking notes, that's how you're going to have to map them out, all right? And I like when people do this because I'm a huge note taker, and I need that kind of guidance. So I try to give it to you. So Mark chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2 read like this, but I'm going to pray first. Is that cool? Yeah. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would illuminate your word to every single person in the room. That they wouldn't bank on my voice just articulating everything properly, but you, Holy Spirit, actually illuminating it to them, opening their ears and ministering. So Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it reads, And when he returned, who's he? Good. It's usually right. Good job, Christian. I'm really proud of you, man. That was a great. You've been studying very hard. And when he returned, when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at a home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Okay. Has anybody seen the VeggieTales spin on this? So good. I'm reliving all that because that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to be a good dad instead of just giving them cocoa melon. Trying. VeggieTales isn't as exciting as whoever that guy is. Um, but so picture Jesus comes back to Capernaum, which is his hometown, right? We all know this. It's his hometown, and word got out, and people did what? They descended on this house. This reminds me of another story where they descended on a, a, a structure. It was Pentecost, right? Yes? Okay, good. I'm like, geez, wet wood tonight. All right, come on. So they descended on a house, and there was something amazing that took place, right? Holy Spirit did something very, very incredible on that day. And it was all because there was something worth descending upon. Yes? Jesus is worth descending upon. He's worth coming and saying, I'm going to pack this house fuller than capacity so that nobody else can get into the room. Yes? Okay, so the word got out. People flooded to the house that he was in. It was packed. The door couldn't even be opened anymore. And I want us to note, I want us to note that it, oh, how do I say this? I want us to note that what is about to follow wasn't in a church building. A lot of the times we just wait for the Lord to do things in these kinds of settings. Right When somebody's directing traffic, when Lex is getting to direct traffic or whatever pastor is directing traffic and, all right, now we're going to do this and blah, 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 right? We just expect it all going to be happening in a church building. This actually happened in a house and there was, there was, a, there was something bigger at stake than just a building and four walls. And I want you to grab this. God does what he wants and shows up how he wants. I know, super, super deep. I get it. He does what he wants and shows up how he wants. Sometimes our actions help a move of God. Most of the times our faith moves God. Did you hear that? Good. Yeah. 
Sometimes our actions help, but faith moves God. Our faith actually moves him into something, right? We can think of all of the miracles that Jesus did. And what did he say? Your faith has made you well. It moves his heart. There's a compassion that takes place when there's a faith involved. Yes? It's amazing what it does, right? I, I, I don't preach faith often. I believe in faith, but I don't preach it like crazy. But it actually moves the heart of God. Moses had a faith that moved the heart of God into not wiping out a bunch of people. Isn't that crazy? We have the capacity, don't quote me on this, but hear me rightly. <laughs> you always know something's good, right? We have the capacity to almost like change God's mind, to interrupt him and say, hey, 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 remember you love them. Remember your compassion on them. Isn't that crazy? All right. It's crazy to me. Verses 3 and 4. And they came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they, ha and the and when they had made an opening, they let down on a bed on which the paralytic lay. It's pretty cool. There's some faith, yeah? That's some crazy faith. And some, some strong people ripping a roof out. Yeah, all right. I want to make two points here. First point is, be a person moved to action. Be a person moved to action. It's, it's cool to say that I have faith, right? All of us can say that. It's very bumper sticker of us, and it's very churchanese and christianese of us to say, oh, I have faith, brother. But what is your faith actually supposed to do? It's supposed to make you move. It's supposed to actually make you pick up your feet and start walking in it. Yes? It actually... Say it again. Faith without works is yes, you're right. It takes an action to actually prove faith. I can't just say I have faith and then wait for something to happen. Yes? Some of us approach the Lord always just in that, like, oh, Lord, I have faith for this. I have faith for this. I have faith for this, Lord. And then you just sit in your prayer closet and don't actually do anything about it. Right? I'm guilty of that. I'm contending for something right now. I'm not going to lie. And it's taking me to step out and be a little bit bold in an environment that does not accept what I want to happen very fondly. And yes, I'm talking about my family. Do you get it? It takes a little bit of fear <laughs> to say, nope, that fear's not going to stop me. I'm going to actually, I'm going to bulldoze through it. Right? I'm putting limits on what I think the Lord can do, and I'm almost putting him in a box saying, no, you're, you're just going to do it through my prayers, Lord, aren't you? You guys have all thought this way. <laughs> I know it. It's fine. You're just going to do it, Lord. I don't need to go. I don't need to go lay hands. I don't, know, I don't need to go anoint with oil. I don't need to go do any of that, right? Faith takes movement. When is the last time you went above and beyond for someone who had a need? Think of it. That's the last time. Not when you just immediately jump to judgment of like that person standing on the corner. But when's the last time that you went above and beyond for somebody who, who had a need? What's crazy is what these four friends did, right? There was, it says that there was four people who lowered this individual down into a room. They went 
above and beyond, right? They went to, you know, a whole nother level that I, I wouldn't even have thought of in that moment, right? Whose first thought is, oh, I can't get there, so I'm going to go onto the roof. I'm going to climb a ladder with this heavy dude who's just dead weight. He's not just like, he can't help himself, you know? When's the last time you thought of going to that length? I say, I'm not actually going to go rip a roof off so that I can get them to what they need. You see what's cool is somebody moved by compassion will do anything to see God move. Right? Think of a time you were moved by just a compassion for somebody. Maybe if it even was once in your entire life. Or maybe it was for your dog. Right, we'll start, we'll start down here. You get it, I get it. Like, hey, stop talking to my dog that way, right? So think of that last time you were moved by compassion. And what did the Lord do in that moment? He probably did something, right? Whether it was, whether you took credit for it or not, he probably did something. He probably made you reach into your wallet and say, here's 20 right? To the homeless person on the corner. Or you just saw somebody who was kind of just disheveled or, you know, bummed out on the, at the mall or in, in, a, in a class or whatever it looked like. And he said, hey, you okay? And you took credit for that, but it was actually a move of the Lord on your heart and it actually pushed you into action. You might have maybe should have done something more, but we won't talk about that. We'll talk about how you actually moved and took that step. The Lord does things by our faith. We move him. Yes? You see, these friends didn't heal him. Oh, sorry. That, that was a little bit of a spoiler alert, right? He gets healed. Okay? We'll read it in a second. The paralytic guy gets healed. He walks out of the building, right? The four friends didn't heal the guy. But what they did is they set him up for his healing. Did you hear that? You have the capacity to set somebody up for their healing, for their breakthrough, for the next word over their life, for whatever it is that they're searching for, right? Yes? That's pretty cool. You, that should do something in you. That should be like, whoa, all right. I have capacity? Yeah, your faith actually moves God. Your faith moves God. These friends took a risk. Probably looked a little silly doing it. Right? They probably looked a little silly doing it, ripping off a roof. It's probably very disruptive to Jesus' sermon. <laughs> if I were preaching, I would have flipped out, right? I kicked somebody out of a meeting because they opened up a bag of chips in the middle of my message, and I flipped out. I was like, what's going on, right? Benji knows. <laughs> we're in the presence of the Lord. Yeah, I get it. That probably was super distracting. Dust falling everywhere. Frick, that would have made me so mad. It was probably very disruptive, very, probably looked very foolish of them, right? That is probably a big roadblock for a lot of us in the room. Man, I don't want to look stupid. That's my, ah, oh man, these people, I got to see these people tomorrow. <laughs> I've got to see them next week, right? I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look foolish. These friends took a risk. These friends also put their wallets aside to actually see Jesus move. How many of you know roofs are expensive? 
Even back then, they were expensive, right? They're really expensive. They put everything aside so that they could see the Lord do something. How bad do we want it? How bad do we want to see the Lord manifest over somebody else's life? Right? A lot of us are very selfish. And we're like, no, I, I need the word first. <laughs> nah. Hold on. Be a person moved into action. When you see a need, do you act on it? My second point in those two verses is don't be moved by limitations, move limitations. Don't be moved by limitations, actually move them, right? You guys can understand this one. You're adults, right? They actually removed the limitation, <laughs> straight up ripped it apart. They removed it and said, okay, here we go. We're dropping this dude in, right? Isn't that cool? We need to be those kinds of people. On paper, this is how it looked. A paralyzed friend, a house is packed and bummed. Oh, we can't get to Jesus. I thought today was the day we can't get to him, right? A lot of our thought processes would say, all right, I guess we'll try again tomorrow. We'll try to intersect with him tomorrow. Nope, I wasn't, it wasn't good enough for them. They said, no, today's the day. Jesus is here. He's in the room. He is in the house. We got to rip this thing off. We got to get in there. Isn't that cool? I love it. I love it. Sometimes we get to points in our faith and we say, oh, we, 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 we got close. We could hear him talking, right? On the outside of the building, they could hear him talking, right? I, has anybody seen The Chosen? No? It's a, actually a really well done. <laughs> it's actually really well done. It's, a, it's like through the Gospels of Jesus' life. and It's not like cheesy Christianity movie stuff. It's actually really well done. Season three is like out now, right? I see this like picture of, of that scene and it was, they could hear him talking from the streets. That's why they were all gathered. It was packed, dude, right? Tons and tons and tons of people. A lot of us would say, okay, we've heard him speak and that's close enough. We need to be the friends, like the four friends and say, no, we got to get in the room. We got to be right next to him. I am hungry if I can be so graphic, right? I want to be that close. You get it? Isn't that cool? Let's keep reading, yes? Well, actually, here's one more little point. I almost missed this one. Are we willing to put aside our pride, money, and ego to see Jesus move? Verses 5 through 7, I'll read here. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And now some of the scribes and Pharisees were sitting there questioning in their hearts, and why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And this is pretty cool. Oh, no, I can't go there yet. <laughs> Dang it. See, I don't like preaching this way, but I, yeah, I, think it's, I think it's working. Your faith can launch someone else's breakthrough. This states Jesus saw their faith, right? Saw their faith. It was visual to him. That's kind of weird to grasp. 
faith is usually an unseen thing. Yes? He saw it. Jesus saw their faith. The first question I had to ask myself is, is my faith causing breakthrough or stumbling? Is my faith causing breakthrough or is it causing somebody to stumble further? Shoot. What do I mean by that? My faith is either moving God into what he wants to do. Yes? How many of you know God wants to heal every single person? <laughs> okay. First off, that needs to be a fundamental piece of our theology. God is not angry up in heaven saying, oh no, that person, I hate that person, they're going to suffer. No, that's, that's bad theology. Okay, he's good. <laughs> theology 101, God is good. Yes? He wants to heal every single person. And yes, I know that's radical because I'm contending for healing over people right now. And I'm not seeing it right now. And I'm still going after it. Because he wants to. My faith either moves his heart into what he already wants to do, or I am actually causing a stumbling block for that person because of my lack. Oh, well, Lex, you don't have to put that weight to it. Well, yeah, I do, because that's what it is. Imagine if these guys didn't get on the roof and rip it off, that paralyzed person would have died paralyzed. You get it? It wasn't, oh, they were just in the right place at the right time and they heard, oh, thus says the Lord, rip off the roof so that then you can lower your friend. No, it wasn't that. It was radical faith, dude. It was radical to the extent of I'm going to pull the shingles. <laughs> I'm going to pull it all off so that I can drop my friend in there. Is my faith causing breakthrough, good, or stumbling, bad? We have to do inventory around this question. Is my faith causing breakthrough or stumbling? Are we, are we the friends going above and beyond the limits in front of them to get their friends to Jesus? I'm raising the ante a little bit, okay? Are we the people who will do anything to get our friends in front of Jesus? Let me change it up a little bit. Are we the people willing to go to any length to see our coworkers collide with Jesus? Our parents collide with Jesus, whether they're believing or not. Are we those kinds of people who will go to any length to get somebody in front of Jesus? Heavy question. Because I have people on my yes list and some people on my no list. Ah, that person sucks. <laughs> some people suck. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that people don't suck. Okay? <laughs> ah, whatever. <laughs> you know it. It's like, oh man, he's so wrong. No, some people just suck. They rip. <laughs> but there's other people, man, I would go to any length. Right? Who's your list? Who's your people that you would go to any length, right? Who are those people? Oh, man, I would rip a roof off for that guy. I'd rip the, I'd rip the roof off for that girl. You get it? Are we, are we friends willing to risk it all? Are we people who are willing to risk it all, even in maybe the off chance, the off chance that we're going to look stupid? 
Because we have to be the people who believe that if they encounter Jesus, their entire life is going to change. Right? You think the paralyzed guy got in front of Jesus and he was like, all right, thanks for making me walk. I'm going to keep on sinning. (laughs) No, he was probably radically transformed. Radically transformed just in the sense that he can walk out of the building, (laughs) but also in the sense of, whoa, he is who he says he is. Do we allow Jesus to actually be who he actually says he is by our faith? Are we that kind of people? I know, I'm poking buttons. Hopefully. You aren't a friend who will go to any length. You're a bad friend. And I've realized this over the last couple years that in some areas, I've been a really, really bad friend to some of my friends. I have. I haven't told them about who Jesus is and what he can do. I've just been like, oh, I'd like hanging out with you. Yeah, I've lost some friends because I went to those lengths <laughs> said, I will do anything to get you in front of the Lord. And I've looked like a complete fool because I was desperate for them to interact with the Lord. And I was talking to a friend this morning, um, Steve, the youth pastor at Encounter, and I was talking about, like, we were talking about what is the characteristic that we struggle the most in um, seeing the Lord in? You know, it's easy to see him as master, in my sense. It's easy to see him as father, because I had a pretty good father. And Steve was talking about his, and I was like, you know, the one I struggle with the most is seeing Jesus as a friend. And he was like, that's weird, why? And I I said, well, because I really haven't had a Christian friend. I haven't had like a Peter and John relationship, like the disciples that I've just gotten to kind of lock arms with. I've always been having to pour into somebody or somebody feeling like they need to pour into me. It was like, huh, that's really interesting. I've never had a Christian friend that I could just like sit down at coffee with and talk about whatever, you know. And I brought that into the way I the way I, I guess, if I can use a church word, evangelize. I brought that into the way I talk about the Lord with other people. I brought that into the way I interact with my friends and Jesus. Do you get it? Some of us struggle in that same area of like, man, I've just been kind of making it. (laughs) I believe in the Lord, but man, I've never really had a friend that I can go to bat and, you know, all right, let's go. Let's go places. Or I've never, I can't see him as a father, or, you know, whatever it might be for you. We all struggle with at least one attribute of the Lord. Mine's a friend, and I, I've realized that, man, I've, I've been a bad friend to people. Maybe this is resonating. I want to be a kind of guy, and I hope you, you guys want to as well. I want to go to any length to get somebody in front of Jesus because I know what he did on my life when I was 17. I've never been the same. I've tried to go back to old things because I was confused. (laughs) But man, he radically changed my life and I believe that he can do that for every single person on this planet. Do you? Where does he pick and choose? (laughs) Anybody have a predestination theology going on here? (laughs) Throw that out. You're going to be a very frustrated person in this room. No, he loves every single person. He died for every single person. Why would we not want to be a part of that? 
say, I want to rip a roof off for you, fill in the blank. Right? Maybe you, you're in the room here because you're a testimony to somebody ripping a roof off and getting you in the room and getting you in front of Jesus in the presence of the Lord. Man, isn't that cool? Don't you want to pass that on? Isn't that cool? But first, Jesus didn't immediately heal this guy. He first forgave all of his sins. Right? That's confusing. <laughs> like, all right, dude. Jesus, he can't walk. He, I don't think he really cares about his sins at this point. He probably just wants to walk. Today's the day, right? His friends are all up in faith saying, all right, I, today's the day you're going to walk, dude, right? Your sins are forgiven, Jesus says. And of course, the religious leaders have something to say about it, and they start stirring in their hearts, right? They didn't speak this out verbally. Did you catch that? Jesus doing words of knowledge. I love it. Reading people's mail. I love that, dude. I love it. And they start stirring these things up. Like, who is he? He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. All right? The writing's on the wall. And then we pick back up. All right? Verse 8. You guys with me? Okay, good. Verse 8. And immediately, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were questioning within themselves. Isn't that amazing? Man, I love that. I just love it. He knew in his spirit. And then he said, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Say what? We have never seen anything like this, right? That is so awesome. I really, really hope that you guys are grabbing something out of this, that there's something that's jumping off the page and landing in you tonight. Because if we grab this, I believe that there is going to be a compassion birthed in us, and we're going to go to any length to get to our friends, to get to our coworkers, to get to those unsaved family members, to get to whoever it is, to get to the random person on the street that the Lord is pressing on your heart and saying, get over to them. Get to the, the person that you see every single time you're checking out at Target and saying, all right, I need to talk to them about the Lord. I know, I might be a little bit more radical than the rest, but hey, I believe that he is good and that he wants to touch every single person on this planet. He's not just up there with his feet up saying, well, if they so choose. <laughs> no, he wants everybody. He's like wooing everybody constantly. Sometimes he just needs our partnership. Not because he's weak. but yeah, He wants to co-labor with us, Scripture says. That he wants to actually arm in arm with us and say, hey, let's go after so-and-so together so that you're not alone. He wants to build your faith. And did you catch how Jesus, quote-unquote, prayed? I say to you, pick up your bed and walk. How many of us have prayed like that? Have you ever thought that we're praying wrong? <laughs> Am I allowed to say this? We'll find out. 
pastors know that this podcast is real, so <laughs> we'll find out. It was real. This is my last time. <laughs> I think we're praying wrong. Man, we just talk a lot. Why are we talking so much? Jesus knew. <laughs> Jesus knew what was going on. He could perceive the hearts of the person. First off, that should scare the living out of you. That should freak you out. That he already knows what your heart is while you're praying over somebody. He already knows. Whether it's a good agenda, bad agenda, selfish agenda, pure agenda. He already knows. Jesus says, hey, rise up, take your mat, and go. We're praying wrong. Some of us are praying our faith into action instead of our faith praying. What's it sound like when your faith prays? Be healed. Demon, come out. Get up and walk. That's how Jesus prayed. He didn't get on the street corners and stand up on this table and say, all right, Lord, if you can hear me, you know my brother's heart. and You, you get what I'm doing, right? Rise up and walk. We need to shut up a little bit more and let the Lord actually do what he wants to do. Don't you think? Yeah? Just because I'm saying so? Or do you actually think that? Yeah. Get a little bit of freaking confidence. Some of you guys are praying out of fear and hopes of not looking stupid and then giving yourself an out all in the same prayer. <laughs> and you all know what I'm talking about because I've done the same thing. Like, well, if this doesn't happen, Lord, I pray that you give them the tools so that they can get... <laughs> you've heard it. Come on, you've said it too, dude. Rise up and walk. And if it doesn't happen, why? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Either your faith or somebody else's. I won't go into that message. But I guess I want you to grab a couple things. Get some confidence when you pray. He wants to heal. He's already put it in motion, right? He's sovereign, right? Remember this? He is a sovereign God. So the person standing in front of you in the grocery store was set up by him because he's sovereign. If he's not sovereign, then that's all a coincidence and you're there, they have no point of being next to you. Yes? His sovereignty goes beyond everything. It's all things. Yes? It's not just like when he feels like being sovereign. Do you get it? There's a reason you're here. There's a reason where you're, the route you're going to take when you drive home. There's a reason. I know that's radical. But it's straight up. He's sovereign. If he's, if he's, sovereign in, if he's truly sovereign, then he's sovereign in everything. So if he set it up, I like to call it divine appointments. Isn't that cool? I like that. If he sets up the divine appointment, which is everything, because we're eternal beings, if he sets up that appointment for you to collide with somebody and you feel something, act. Do you get it? I know, this is super complex. I know, it's like 10 steps. No, it's one step. 
be sensitive to his voice, and do. Let's, let him do his work. Let your faith become strengthened by actually being obedient for once. Don't squash it. You've got to stop squashing your childlikeness. If we believe that he's a healer, we better believe it. Otherwise, it's just a bumper sticker or a pretty melody. If we believe that he can speak to us, then we better listen. We better be sensitive to it. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. I, I was wandering around Park Meadows Mall right when I like, I was, I was 17, I was on fire for the Lord. It was my first fire, you know? Like it was, it was the thing, you know? I, I, and I grew up no Holy Spirit and I had no idea who Holy Spirit was and then he filled me, baptized me in tongues. I'm that guy. He had a, he had a, <laughs> he had a bow and arrow on me and, and stuck me. And I went back, right? When I was 17, I just felt like I was supposed to go to Park Meadows Mall and I started just wandering around and asking the Lord, hey, what do you want me to do here? Okay, it's a true story, I promise. And he highlighted somebody with a, um, with a boot on and they tore their Achilles. And I, you know, I was, I was young, full of faith. I was like, who cares? I'm never gonna see this person again. I told him to take their boot off and I wanted to pray for them. Yeah, anybody done this? No? This is, this is what I'm talking about. Once you feel this, you'll never go back. And I started praying for this guy, and I just started declaring the promises of the Lord over this person and said, Achilles tendon, be healed. Didn't happen. <laughs> I was like, all right, oh gosh. All right, all right. I look like an idiot. Oh, nope, no, I, I shut that off. Achilles tendon, be healed. And what I felt in my hand, I, I can't even describe it. I literally felt the tendons start getting knit back together in my hand. Everything in me wanted to pull my hand back because it was like, growth. <laughs> but I was like, the Lord's doing something. And he was healed. And he walked out of there with a boot under his arm. <laughs> I remember it. It was super cool. Once you taste something like that, you'll understand why I have so much passion around this. Because I've seen it. I've tasted it. And I need it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm an itchy addict right now because I need it. It's been a while since I've seen a healing. And yes, it's because of my lack, I understand. <laughs> okay, I'll be the first one to admit it. Okay? The reason I'm telling you that is to like, increase something in you, saying that he's real, he's alive, and he's active today. I've seen epilepsy disappear by prayer, not by somebody getting electrocuted and it going away. <laughs> I've seen it go, real time. And the person smelt roses. <laughs> It was cool. It was like, all right, then it's affirmed because that was our whole thing that we were going after. Wake up and smell the roses. And it affirmed it. How bad do we want to see the Lord show off? And what kind of person do we want to be? Do we want to be a person moved by compassion so that we'll literally rip roofs off, get scrape claw, do whatever it takes to get somebody in front of Jesus? And if that's not you tonight, what's it going to take for that to be you? What's it going to take to see it 
well, that's not faith. Do we actually believe who the Lord says he is? We have to be. You catching this? You want it? Man, I do. I do. I think that's all I've got. Let me pray. If you want it, I just want to invite you, and I, I, this might, or whatever. I just want to invite you, hold out your hands in front of you in an act of receiving. If you want that, I just believe that the Lord is going to download special anointings tonight so that our eyes will see what he sees. Is that cool? So if you want that, just hold your hands out in front of you. I'm just going to pray for you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God that is worthy of going to any length to get in front of. Lord, I pray that you would download a compassion on every single heart tonight. That we would see people the way you see them. We would break, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. And that, Lord, you would increase faith even right now as we're praying. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would hand out special anointings tonight so that we would advance your kingdom here on earth just as you asked us to. And Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your nearness tonight. May we just hunger and thirst for you and we would go to any length for our friends, our co-workers, our families, whoever you're calling us to, Lord, that you would increase the sensitivity tonight. Hmm. Now, Lord, thank you for who you say you are. May we just partner with you more. Jesus' name, amen.